0: Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives and remember our Instagram, Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. Thank you to Ann and Robert for supporting the show in that way. You can also mail in a donation to Adam Graham. P.O. Box 15913-15913, Boise, Idaho 83715. And you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Casey Crime Photographer, the original air date, December the 18th. 1947, and the title is The Life of the Party. The Anchor Hocking Glass Corporation
1: brings you Crime Photographer. Hi, Casey. Hi,
2: Ethelbert.
3: Well, I see you got the windows and mirrors all dolled up again for the holidays. Yeah,
2: the same guy comes every winter and paints them for
3: us. Mm, Like little Jack Frost.
2: Huh?
3: You remember, when you were a kid, they told you Jack Frost painted those ice flowers on the window.
2: Hey, that's a good one. I'll try it on Tony. Hey, Tony. Yeah? Who's the famous artist that paints on glass?
1: Oh, that's easy. Jack Frost. And uh, speaking of glass, everybody knows that Anchor Hocking is the most famous name in glass. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight: the life of the party. One of the most interesting sections of our city is known as Whitaker Grange, with its winding streets and century-old houses where artists have established a colony. The more successful live and work in a narrow dead-end alley called Gedney's Close. And in the late afternoon, a familiar, battered-looking automobile pulls up near the entrance of Getty's clothes.
3: I guess I we'll have to park here, Annie. They don't let you drive into this alley. Well,
4: I prefer to walk the rest of the way, Casey. I love to look at these old houses.
3: Oh, you do? Well, I got my camera and stuff. Come on, let's go. Okay. Higgins' studio is that big stone barn at the dead end there.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a big thrill out of seeing his studio and meeting him again. I think Andre Higgins is our greatest living sculptor.
3: Well, he was. He hasn't been producing top quality lately, though, Art critics say this new bronze group that you're going to interview him about is only run-of-the-mill. I know.
4: He's too busy playing to really work, I guess.
3: Yeah. It's a sweet-scented crowd he plays around with, too. Well,
4: I've never met any of them except his model, Marcel. <laughs> Certainly no bargain. Oh,
3: wait a minute, Abby. She's the only one who is a bargain. That gal's the most gorgeous brunette I've ever looked at. Really? Uh, well, I mean of her type, I Abby.
4: Mean. I don't know how a cultured, mature man like Andre Higgins can stand having her around, let alone be in love with her. As he apparently is.
3: Well, at least she's not dangerous. I can't say that for one of Andre's other pals. Who? Blister Hoagland.
4: He's a pal of Andre Higgins? We've
3: seen together Ola. lot.
4: Oh, JC, Blister Hoagland's suspected of a couple of murders. The cops have been trying to nail him for years. Uh-huh. How can Higgins associate with a man like that? I don't
3: know. He's a strange guy. Like all famous artists, he... The attracts parasites who live on reflected glory. He's either too weak or too good-natured to give him the brush-off again. Yeah. Uh-oh. Hey, look at that guy. He just came out of Higgins' place, didn't he?
4: <laughs> he? must be headed for a <laughs> costume party. Yeah, look <laughs> at the green
3: velvet pants on
4: him. <laughs> He's fantastic. And that bright yellow smock. And a red beret. If
3: he goes outside of this deserted alley, a cop will pinch him for obstructing travel. <laughs> Annie!
4: What are you doing with that big knife? He <gasps>
3: stabbed himself, Annie! It. Quick, come on, guy.
4: He's falling to the sidewalk. I can see the knife handle sticking out of his chest. And his he blood.
3: drove that blade right into his heart. Has
4: he? did he get
3: We've got to get a doctor, quick. and yeah, I'm the police. This guy came out of Higgins' place. Punch that doorbell, Annie, will you? The door's open. Hello, Casey. It's William. Andre, Andre, come in. I saw you two from my window, so I... What's happened here? This guy just committed suicide. We saw him do it. Good heavens. Well, who is he? Why did he come out Please. of here? Bertram Farland. Art student.
4: Student? Well, he looked at least 50 years old.
3: Well, I'm glad the poor devil can't hear you say that, Miss Williams. He liked women to think of him as uh, young. He was the life of every party he attended. That should be his epitaph. He was the life of the party.
4: What more?
3: Well, he's gone and there's nothing we can do to bring him back. Uh, Come inside and meet some friends of mine. We're having cocktails. Uh, What can I make for you, Miss Williams?
4: Mr. Higgins! Wait a
3: minute, Amber. You knew this guy. He just killed himself in front of your door. And it was most inconsiderate of him. Oh, I... I know you think I'm callous, but I'm a realist. Well, now that I've spoken so frankly, how about a cocktail? We'll skip
4: it. Definitely.
3: Well, now, apparently, I've shocked you. Ah, my guests are coming out.
4: Why are you staying outside so long, André? Yeah,
3: what's the big idea?
4: André, I want you to make me another drink. Oh, Casey.
3: Hello, Marcel.
4: I mon Dieu. Why is Bert lying on the sidewalk? He's
3: committed suicide, Marcel.
4: Suicide?
3: A knife in his chest. He stabbed himself, Tom.
4: The poor sap did it because of Marcel, I suppose.
3: Probably, Daisy.
4: Well, I could not help it if he was in love with me and I did not want to make marriage with him. He knew my heart belonged to André. He should have. You tell the world your heart belongs to André. When André's around. How oh, do you mean that last Saturday? Never
3: mind. Miss Williams, Katie, you uh, know Marcel, of course. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yes, then mine, know, Katie. And Miss Williams.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I uh, don't think you've met Mrs. Leland Carmichael. noted for her wealth, the five husbands she's divorced, and her uh, vulgar display of diamonds.
4: <laughs> gals who can get husbands, get them, Andre. And gals who can buy diamonds, wear them. Glad to meet you, Chum.
2: Call me Daisy.
3: And uh, this is Tom Thompson. Mm. He's mere artist and uh, a bad one. Candor can sometimes be more unpleasant than refreshing, Andre. Nice to know you, Miss Williams. Mr. Casey, thanks.
4: Now, let us all go inside and get a drink. Well, oh, no, wait a
3: minute. We'll have to do something about poor Bert, won't we?
4: Oh, that's Father Lemley. Oh, I, I've never met such as callous, inhuman people in my life. Neither
3: have I. And Higgins, I never could figure you, but I kidded myself you were a right guy. Now, I see you're nothing but a louse. As for these characters you call your friends. Why, get out of my way. I'm going into your joint and call the cops.
4: And I'm going with you. <laughs>
3: what? what? Oh, they're laughing.
4: Yeah.
2: Annie, look at the dead guy.
4: He's <laughs> getting up. the handle of that knife still sticking out. It's a gag. <laughs> oh, now no. You fell for it, John. <laughs>
2: Miss
3: Williams, Casey, meet the late corpse, Bert Fallon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, me, oh, me. If you could see yourself, you thought I'd done a hurry <laughs> Ah,
3: the old collapsible knife trick and a little red ink to make it look better.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the knife blade slipped into the handle when I hit
3: myself.
4: See? <laughs> We've been a fine pair of dope skates. Uh, you don't pay a thing. <laughs> Bert
3: cooked up the joke when I mentioned you were coming, and we watched for you. Why, uh, hope you're not saw? Oh, no, anything but.
4: <laughs> we can take it. And you certainly handed it out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, you'll get a laugh on somebody else before you leave here. I'll see to that. <laughs>
3: You can depend on Bert. He's is quite a frank. <laughs> yeah, I know a
2: million gags. <laughs> Our little Bert loves fun. <laughs> well, why shouldn't I, Daisy? Fun never hurt anybody. <laughs> That's
3: a debatable question.
4: <laughs> what do
3: you mean,
2: Tom? Oh,
4: do not talk so much, Bert. Let's all go inside. Come on, I want a drink.
3: Uh, let's yeah, go in, Casey, yeah. Miss
4: Williams.
3: <laughs> oh, uh, close the door, Tom, and uh, keep the common people out.
4: Ooh, what a lovely studio you have, Mr. Higgins. It's so big. Oh, you can you. lose yourself in this bond. Say, where's Blister? I,
3: oh, I'd forgotten <laughs> that. Here I, here I am.
4: Oh, he was sitting behind that
2: statue.
3: Miss Williams, Casey, let me present Mr. Hoagland. We already know Blister Hoagland. How'd you like the gag they pulled on you, Casey? Pretty good, good huh? Good enough. We fell for yeah, it. I know. <laughs> I was watching from the window. Why didn't you come outside with the others? You'd have made the gag better. Just how? Well, if I'd seen you around, I'd have thought Bert Fallon's phony suicide was a murder. Why would you have thought that? You've done several jobs of killing, haven't you? Cops never proved it. They'll get the goods on you someday. Your luck'll run out. I don't like this kind of talk. Mister. Okay, Andre. I'm a good-natured guy. You never lose his temper. Casey's sore because Bert's suicide gag made him look like a sap, and he's trying to needle me to get even. But I'm a good sport. <laughs> I can take things as they
2: come and laugh with. Oh, My foot, my foot's on fire! <laughs> oh. The old hot foot gag, Blister. <laughs> I snuck up and stuck a match in your shoe. <laughs> I told you, Casey, you'd get a laugh on somebody Why, you else. You lousy little clown <laughs> out. Let him go, Blister. Let go of him around here. Okay, Casey. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> the joke's on me. Have a drink with me, bird, old
4: pal.
3: Let's all have a drink. Come on. Hey, Andy, make
4: one of my special... Listen, it would have killed that little man if you hadn't stopped him, Casey. Yeah. We really stepped into something when we came here today.
3: I'll say we did.
4: <laughs> oh, I'd like to get out of here, Casey. Yeah, so would I, Annie
3: came here for an interview. Until you get it, we're to oh, I know. Stay,
4: huh? I simply haven't been able to pin Higgins down. He's all over the place. So
3: is everybody else.
4: How can a man like Higgins put up with such people? They have no talent, no intellect, nothing to recommend them.
3: Daisy, that big overstuffed gal, told me this was dear Andre's inner circle.
4: Uh, Daisy,
3: huh?
4: You think all those diamonds that Daisy wears are the real thing?
3: Nah, she told me they're imitation. All except the big headlights she wears on her finger. That's a lot of carrots for so the real McCoy. She says she's superstitious. She always wears it because her first husband gave it to her for luck.
4: She's taking yeah. a big chance wearing anything valuable around a crook like Blister Holden. And I wouldn't trust that Marcel very far, either. <laughs> you don't like Marcel, do you, I've never met such a phony. Look at her over there. Chewing gum like a chopping machine. And playing footy-footy with Thompson.
3: Seems to be a little double-timing going on with that young artist. She's been Higgins' gal for a long time.
4: Huh. Well,
3: here comes Higgins. Well, what are you two doing there by yourself? Your party sort of wandered away from us, Andre. <laughs> people do scatter out in this big barn. Uh, come on to the bar let me fill your glass. No, thanks. We're working people.
4: Uh, I gotta get that story from you, Mr. Higgins. I know, you know.
3: now you can pry me with questions over the uh, next drink, Miss Williams.
2: Is that a promise?
3: Definite hey, promise. Come
2: on now. Well, uh, okay. Hi, Daisy. I found him in the jungle and I'm bringing him back alive. Good heart, Chum. Uh, Marcel, Tom, huh? uh, you gather around
4: too. How do to Andre wants that. The master's voice. I'm not gonna get
2: that interview, okay? Not right now. Blister! Blister! Huh? Uh, what do you want?
3: I'm gathering the clan. Come to the bar. Uh,
2: I was grabbing a nap.
3: I'm gathering the clan. I'm bringing in the sheep. has <laughs> gotten
2: himself a snoop So is Daisy. Look at that. Now that we're all together, <laughs>
3: shh! Now, 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 now. Quiet, all of you, please. Now that we're all together, my
2: dearest
3: friend. we're not
4: all here. Where's Bert?
3: Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Now, where's Bert? Oh, hey, hey, Bert!
4: Andre, Andre, chéri, maybe he's asleep. Do not wake him up. He'd be so peaceful here without
2: him. Oh, now, we need Bert Marcel. He's always the life of
3: the party. The party's better without his kind of life. No unfunny comedy, no practical jokes. Tom, Bert's our pal. Yeah, maybe your pal. <laughs> no. The
4: last gag he full-handed me as well, lad. Your foot still feel hot, blister?
3: Yeah, that was very funny, Daisy. <laughs>
4: the way you took it, it was trying to kill the poor
2: twerk. Now lay off, will you?
4: Maybe I'd better, knowing your reputation. Well, i
2: got to find Bert. Bert! Yeah, where is he? Oh, Bert. Tommy, where Tommy, while Andre is
4: oh, looking, you stick you me at my screen. Okay, myself. Will somebody have a stick of chewing gum? Oh, I forgot. Nobody uses it but me. We sometimes get the benefit of it after you've used it. You shouldn't stick the wads of it on cash. So my glass too, Tom. Here.
2: Ow! What's the matter?
4: My ring. My ring's gone. Your ring. My big diamond, the real one. Well, Well,
3: you had it on. me. You were talking to me, Daisy. I
4: know it, Casey. I was talking to you and Bert about. Bert. He was holding my hand after you left. He slipped it off. Bert
3: wouldn't steal a ring. Well, of
4: course he wouldn't, Tom. It's another of his unfunny jokes. Where is I run? Let me get my hands on him. Don't
3: that hand me
2: a lad. Oh, shut up, Lester. Casey. Yes, I am. Everyone, what's the matter? Come here. What is it?
1: What are you
2: Uh, want? I just found Bert dead
1: dead.
2: Is
3: this another gag? No. He's not breathing. I think he's been
1: murdered. Our story will continue in just a moment. Nothing is quite so comforting as a good hot cup of coffee, particularly the first thing in the morning. But that's the very time of day when everyone is in a hurry. Well, here's a way to enjoy delicious coffee with no fuss or bother of any kind and in a matter of moments. Simply take a cup, a spoon, and a glass jar of soluble coffee. Put a spoonful of coffee in a cup and add hot water and that's all there is to it. But make sure to buy your soluble coffee in a glass jar. Glass jars are easy to open. A quick turn of your wrist and the coffee is ready. And then, too, your spoon fits easily and conveniently into the wide top of the jar. No trouble in measuring. And last but not least, glass jars protect the flavor and freshness of soluble coffee perfectly against moisture or contamination of any kind. Now, most of the better packers of soluble coffee protect their products by using clean, sanitary Anchor Glass containers and Anchor caps, both products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass.
3: I found him lying here, behind the statue. Uh, this is you. See him, Casey. Oh, he's dead, all right.
4: A knife through his throat.
3: In just the right spot, Anne, so he'd make no sound.
4: But who could have killed him?
3: It had to be someone here, Marcel.
4: Definitely. You tried to kill him earlier
3: this evening, Blister. Now, don't you point the finger at me, Daisy. You've been suspected of other killings. Now, be careful, Tom. You did it, please. I didn't. I swear I didn't. I think the consul nailed it on you. With all of you against me, accused me, maybe they will. But I'm giving her no chance. I'm doing a lamb. You're not leaving here. Yes, I am. You've got a gun. Keep away from me, all of you. I'm Not taking a rap for something I didn't do. I'm getting out of here. Anyone who tries to stop me
4: gets a bullet. <laughs> oh, oh! Audrey, oh, Andre,
3: oh, you shot him. One well, has the right to shoot an escaping murderer. Luckily, I had a gun. On oh, the police, Casey. Okay, Audrey. Okay. Good job of shooting you did. Caught Blister squarely between the eyes.
1: The complete story, Casey?
3: I don't think I've left out anything, Logan. Now, what do you say, Miss Williams?
4: Oh, I can think of nothing that Casey hasn't told you, Captain.
1: Oh no. Sergeant, you finished searching those two bodies?
4: Just
3: now, Captain. There's no diamond ring on the guy who was stabbed on Blister Hogland either.
1: I'll have the man do a detailed search of this studio for us. Yes, sir. You know, that ring may have no connection with... Fell in a stabbing, Casey? Look, Logan, when a
3: hunk of ice worth a good 15 grand is missed at about the same time that a guy suspected of taking it is found murdered... I
1: know. Casey, do you think Blister killed Bert?
3: Well, Logan, I did. I fell into line with everybody else who was accusing him because I wasn't thinking then. Well, now I... I don't know.
1: But you'll testify that Higgins was justified in
3: shooting Blister. I'll have to. Guy was a murder suspect, he... Threatened us with a gat, and
4: he tried to escape. I'd have shot him myself, if I'd had a gun.
3: Not as accurately as Higgins did. It was
1: good shooting.
4: Higgins told us he does a lot of pistol practice.
1: He told me that when he showed me his permit for the gat he used. You say Higgins discovered Fallon's body.
4: But your police surgeon says Fallon was dead at least 15 minutes before the discovery was made. You can't think Higgins had anything to do with it. I'm
3: simply thinking, Miss Williams. Nobody recalls seeing anybody near the spot where Fallon was found? No, we were all we were scattered all over this barn of a place, Logan, moving around. You know what the Every, are like. Everyone excepting yourselves had been drinking pretty heavily and was inclined to be quarrelsome. Marcel hadn't had much to drink.
4: Too busy crunching gum.
3: Higgins wasn't quarrelsome. And he was tight. Until he found the body that sobered him up. Yeah, it naturally would.
1: A uh, fat gal had lost a ring. Do you have a lot of dough? A couple
3: of millions, Fallon told him. What about Thompson? Thompson's an art student. He goes in for it's surrealism, that kind of stuff. Goes for that Marcel, babe. Yeah. Captain! Captain Logan! Yes, Sergeant?
2: We just found a ring. The diamond ring? There's no diamond in it, sir. The stone's been pried out. Pried yeah. out? Let me see. Here.
3: Yeah. Strong has been forced apart. That's the setting that held Daisy's diamond, Logan. Uh-huh. Now, bring the fat gal in here, Sergeant. Bring all the witnesses in here. Yes, sir. Well, this proves that ring wasn't simply lost. It doesn't prove,
1: but it certainly indicates. And
3: how, Logan. Look. Bert Fallon slipped the ring off Daisy's finger as a joke, but somebody saw him do it and got an idea. And that somebody killed the little guy, took the ring, pried out the $15,000 stone because it was easier to conceal, and he just sat tight. Then when Fallon's dead body was discovered, it was a cinch that Blister would be immediately suspected and accused of the murder. And if he'd gotten away with his run out, even for a short time... No one would believe that he hadn't stolen the diamond in addition to knifing flowers. Now, Higgins' gunshots spoiled things for the real thief and killer. Sure, because Blister was killed before he could leave this studio. And your search of his body proves he didn't have the diamond. Now, if your theory is right, it eliminates eliminate Higgins and the fat girl. She had no reason to steal her own diamond.
4: It leaves only uh, Thompson and uh, Marcel. Uh,
3: yeah.
4: Casey, I think your theory 100%.
3: Well, thanks, Eddie.
2: All right, righty. Sergeant Flanagan, bringing
3: him in. in. Now, let's go over and meet him halfway. Now, you people, sit down.
1: Make yourselves comfortable. Oh, thank you.
3: Uh, here's your pet chair, myself.
4: Oh, thank you, Tom. Have you found my ring, Captain?
1: Uh, we haven't
3: found your diamond, Mrs. Leland Carmichael. Oh, dear. And well, they will find
4: it. Oh, I hope so, Andrew. You know it's my luck.
3: I'm going to ask a few personal questions, starting with you, Mr. Thompson. All right. Have you any money of your own... That is personal. I
1: can get it from other sources if you don't tell me.
3: I'm an ardent. A bad one, many people think, which means I'm always broke. Ah. Yeah. Thanks. What's your financial status, Marcel?
4: Why, I have only what I make as a model and what Mr. Higgins has given me besides.
3: What do you give her besides, Mr. Higgins? I am... I'm afraid I haven't been very generous with Marcel.
4: Oh, but you have, Sherry. One hundred dollars a month just for spending money.
1: Give you any diamonds?
4: No. I do not care for diamonds. <laughs> any woman who says that is a liar. Do not say I di- lied, Casey. Uh,
1: pipe down.
3: Marcel Thompson. Huh? Which of you two has
1: that stolen diamond? Stolen diamond? Which one of us? Well, won't do you any good. you hand it over or must we search the two of you?
4: Oh, I have never been so insulted. Search me immediately. I demand that you search
3: You seem very sure of yourself. Of course she's sure. Yeah, would not steal anything, Captain? Now we're going to see about that, Mr. Higgins. Sergeant, send for a matron to search this girl. Right, Captain. Say, Logan, maybe you can save yourself a lot of trouble. Huh? Yeah. A quick way to hide a diamond would be to wrap it in a wad of chewing gum. Chewing gum? Yes. There's one on the edge of Marcel's favorite chair. Now, well, let's see.
4: Marcel is the only one here who chews that stuff. I put nothing inside my chewing gum.
3: Uh, someone put something inside this wad. The a knife, Logan scrape the stuff off.
4: I didn't. I swear I didn't.
3: It's a diamond.
4: It's my diamond. I didn't. I didn't.
3: We'll go into that at headquarters, Marcel, thoroughly. I'm taking you there now. Oh, no,
4: do not
5: let me, Mulder. Help me. Wait.
3: I stole that diamond, Captain. You, Thompson? Yeah. I hid it where you found it. Now, let Marcel go. Whoa.
2: Think this Thompson's confession was just a noble act,
3: huh, Casey? Oh, sure. Of course it was, Albert. So is Lowe.
4: Yeah, so am I. Thompson's so crazy about that phony Marcel. He'd go to the chair to protect her.
2: Maybe they both done it together. You say the suspects was eliminated down to just them two? On well,
3: the basis of my theory. Hmm. But I can't see her doing it cold bloodedly for no better motive than a diamond too hot to wear and too hot to sell. Well, she
2: could have had a double motive, Casey. You and Miss Williams say the dead guy was one of them practical jokers. Ain't you ever wanted to knock off one of them pests? Yeah, Ethelbert has something there, Casey. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a lot.
3: Excuse me, I'm going for a walk. I'll go with no, you. No, no, no. I, I want to be alone. Think. <laughs> in, Casey. Thanks, Andre. Oh, I'm not uh, disturbing your work. Well, I'm scarcely in a mood for work after what happened here last evening. Anyway, I've been away from the studio until a few minutes ago. I found the to jail with Marseille. Oh, how is she today? Oh, she feels utterly friendless, even thinks I'm against her. Mm. You're trying to help her. You, You believe she's innocent? Naturally. How does she feel about Thompson? The idiot's phony grandstand confession strengthened the circumstantial case against her. Uh, that was result of it. Mind if I sit down, Andre? Oh, yes, yes, please do. Oh, uh, are you paying me this, uh, unexpected but, uh, welcome visit as a newspaper man or as a friend, Casey? Just as a, this is a guy. Oh. Hey, Andre, uh, what's your frank opinion of, uh, Mrs. Leland Carmichael, Daisy? My, uh... All around, good fellow. Very uh, superstitious, isn't she? That's very. Right. Yeah, and so I gathered from her talk about that ring. She kind of got on my nerves last night. She's too calm and she's too bossy. I mean, Daisy can be a bit trying. Yes, yeah, so and Marcella, a million dollars worth of looks and quarters worth of brains. Yeah, she'd be hard to take as a steady diet. Now, really, Casey, Lister I... Lister was hard to take and Thompson and Bert Fallon. But all these people had fastened onto you like leeches. What are you driving at? Just sir? this. You saw a chance to get rid of all of them in one sweep last night and you took it. You got Daisy's diamond, you planted it to frame Marcel, you killed Fallon, and then Blister, so you could be free. How will you prove this idea of yours? The cops will prove it when I sell them. You haven't done that yet. I'll just bring it on you first and see how you'd react. Your face has told me that my theory is good. What does this reaction tell you? I, I thought the cops impounded that gun you killed Blister with. They did. This is another... No one else will realize the motive for what I did. I didn't kill for profit or because of hatred. I simply had to be free to the friends who were wrecking my life. They were driving me mad. I was too weak, too cowardly to send them away. Now you threaten my freedom, so I must kill again Oh, no, I... you don't. Yeah. You've yeah. out his gun, Sergeant. Get the cuffs on him. Yeah. All done, Captain. Yeah. Logan, yeah, I bet. was beginning to think you'd make your play just a little too late. You you policemen were hiding it let ourselves in here while you were visiting Marcel at the jail. Casey, you said you hadn't told anyone. I'll never trust the newspaper guy, Andre. We're terrible liars.
1: We'll join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. One week from tonight, when we join you on the air, it'll be Christmas. But there are still five shopping days ahead. And if you put off any of your Christmas shopping until this last hectic week, here's a very simple solution. Between now and Christmas, your favorite chain store, department store, and other stores selling Chinaware and glass will be featuring the amazing new Anchor Glass heat-proof dinnerware known as jadeite. And that's spelled J-A-D-E-I-T-E, jadeite. Now, jadeite has the beauty of fine Chinese porcelain. It has the color of oriental jade yet it's as sturdy as the Fire King oven glass you use for baking. And jadeite prices will be particularly easy on your Christmas budget. For instance, a complete 35-piece service for six costs less than $5. And jadeite in open stock is unbelievably low in cost. So be sure to ask for jadeite by name. Jadeite, the newest triumph of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name. In glass.
2: I gave you your notion about Higgins, Casey?
3: You sure did, Albert. When you said everybody would like to kill pests.
2: Yeah, but nobody does kill them. They just say they'd like to...
3: There's always the exceptional person.
2: A fact,
4: naturally, only realized by an exceptional person, like uh, Miss Casey.
3: <laughs> exactly, Miss Williams, and thank you, Miss Williams.
4: You're welcome. Well, anyway,
3: when I, when I started to think seriously of pest extermination as a motive, the parts that hadn't fit fell right into place.
2: There's two parts that don't fit for me. Yeah, what's that? Higgins killed Fallon, framed Marcel for the murder and robbery, and then shot Blister Hoagland to make the frame stick. A treat pest she figured out of his way, but he wanted to be rid of two more, Thompson and Daisy. Well, Marcel
4: was the attraction that made Thompson hang around Higgins' place. Once she was removed, he'd be removed.
3: And Daisy was intensely superstitious. She'd never risk her luck around Higgins again.
2: Oh. I don't approve of Higgins' methods, Casey, but I got sympathy for his feelings. Oh, how I'd like to make a clean sweep of a lot of piss. Good night, Ethelbert. Yeah. Oh, good night, great.
1: <laughs> Prime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hocking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass, Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor caps and closures, all products of anchor hawking, the most famous name in glass. <laughs> Photographer is directed by John Deech. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Miner as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the blue note pianist. Salvation Army kettles are here. Help bring the other million a bit of Christmas cheer. Let's make this Christmas a happy one for our American kids by dropping a coin in a Salvation Army Christmas kettle. <laughs> This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Welcome back. So he committed two felonies rather than kick some people out of his life, which he could have done perfectly legally. I mean, I've heard of conflict avoidance, but come on. This is one of those cases where they had so many characters running around. I almost think that it would have worked better as an hour-long program, because there were really too many suspects to properly sort And I guess the moral of the story is about how having negative, toxic people in your life can really drag you down. Though you might want to stop short of murder to get rid of them. Now we do turn to listener comments and feedback. Loli writes, great luck with the new baby. Thank you, Loli. And then we have this comment from Anna. Thanks for such a great podcast. Good shows and commentary. Well, thank you so much. um I'm going to go ahead and address something here. I'm not going to read a specific uh, review. I've really kind of made it a policy over the years with very few exceptions not to read the toxic negative reviews and comment. However, there is a theme that we post the podcast without editing the sound files, without doing anything to clean them up. We just shove them out there, and that is simply not the case. Andrew Rines spends hours editing these files. I think uh, clarification is needed regarding what is possible. Now, the files are not pristine. If you want pristine Golden Age audio uh, files go over to RadioArchives.com. RadioArchives.com. This is not a commercial for them, but you could go to Radio Spirits, and I think the same thing would be true. They sell audio file files. You put in the CD, you put in the download, and it sounds like something that was recorded today. Absolutely beautiful, pristine sound. Would you like to know their secret? They purchased Transcription Disk, they make first-generation transfers. So if you get a CD from Radio Archives, that means they took a transcription disc and they transferred directly from that disc onto CD and made downloads from that. We are not dealing with transcription disk, nor are we going around and taking discs produced by companies like Radio Archives and ripping them off. We are working with MP3 files, occasionally a few other file types that have circulated around. In many cases, there are no first uh, generation recordings available. And Andrew spends hours cleaning them up working to make them as high-quality as can be managed. I will say that on the Superman podcast, I pretty much edit that, and there are not uh, a ton of edits done. So if you want to criticize the Superman podcast on those grounds, fair enough. But when it comes to the great detectives of old-time radio, can we at least cut the nonsense? You think I talk too long? Fine, you can include that in your review. If you want to make fun of the voice... Sure, go ahead, do that. Some people don't get all the taunting that they were going to do out during grade school. Need to work it out another way. Yeah, I guess do that. But can we at least be honest about the reviews and stop saying that they're not being edited? If you want something that is, you know, directly from a transcription desk, then go and buy Radio Archives. Go and buy... Don't go download from a pirate site and rip them off. They earn the money by acquiring those transcription discs and doing the work directly from those discs. If you want free podcasts where someone puts work into making the existing recordings sound as good as they possibly can, then we're more than happy to sure need, even if you think I'm a stupid, stupid hit who talks too much. But can we stop the nonsense in the reviews? And stop misrepresenting the good work that Andrew Wines does on these files. Alright, well that got a little more heated than I wanted. But I'm not going to re-report it. I I think it probably needed said that way. And the secondary moral of our story was about being too conflict-avoidant. Alright, well, I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Cindy, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting the show at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Cindy. We'll do it for today. And if you like the podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. Join us back here next Monday for another episode of Casey Crum Photographer. And then, next Tuesday, we're going to be getting into previously uncirculated episodes of... CBS brings you Jeff Regan, Investigator, starring Frank Graham as Regan, with Frank Nelson as Anthony J. Lyon. And with that, our schedule will be set for about four and a half months. But join us tomorrow for the adventures of Bill Lance, where... Narrow, dark street,
2: small, lighted shop. And that man behind the counter... Just
5: open the door, Ulysses. Certainly, master. Ah, Bonsoir, monsieur. How How are you? There's something you wish? Yes. We'd like to see monsieur Andre Leclerc, if you please. I am monsieur Leclerc. Oh, are you? (laughs) Well, I'm Bill Lance. Lance? Bill Lance? Yes. And what is your business, monsieur Lance? He's a
2: piano tuner.
5: I am not. Pay no attention to my friend here, monsieur. To tell the truth, I'm a, I'm an errand boy. Uh, errant boy?
2: Oh,
5: errant boy. That's right, that's right. I'm running an errand for Mr. Arthur Banks, Beverly Hills, California. Ah. I have a necklace. It's to be handed over to you, monsieur Leclerc. Oh, yes, yes. Now that you explain your mission, I understand. Uh, I've been expecting you, although I was not acquainted with your name... I'm happy to say you have negotiated the trip without mishap. Uh, And now the necklace, eh? Oh, I don't have it with me. You... Well, uh, where is it? Surely you brought it? Oh, yes, yes, I brought it, but you wouldn't expect me to carry it around with me until I'd made contact with you, would you? (laughs) Of course. Uh, Caution is necessary. Extremely. But you do have the necklace. I mean, it is here in Paris? Oh, yes, yes, it's here, In safekeeping. Well, then, now that you have contacted me, you will, of course, make the delivery at once. We are anxious to have the transaction completed. I'm sure you don't wish to keep Monsieur Kincaid and Monsieur Banks waiting for their money. Oh, of course not. Uh, How long will you be here? I can wait until you return. All right. Shouldn't take too long. You wait right here. I'll get the necklace and bring it to you. Thank you so much, Monsieur Lance. Not at all. Thank you, Monsieur Leclerc.